Um, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Worship at Hillhead. Um, it was lovely to see so many of us gather yesterday. We think more than, more than 40 of us gathered yesterday um, to begin to discern the next steps of our journey together. Um, it was so good to be together um, for an extended period of time, um, and the managers look forward to reflecting on all that was shared and try to keep the momentum going and thinking about the next steps forward. It's lovely to have some visitors with us this morning. Welcome to to Willie and to to Valerie who are visiting with us today. Our service this morning is led by our minister, Katrina, and we continue our Lent series in conversation with Jesus. We will also hear the voices of Grace leading the Lord's Prayer, (coughs) Nasi reading scripture, and Nancy leading us in our prayers for others. In a moment, Nikan and Nikiar will light our candle. In family news, we were sorry to hear that Neil Clark's dad was admitted to hospital. Um, I think it was yesterday morning, um, and that was why Neil wasn't able to be with us yesterday. Um, We keep um, Neil, Anita, Bonnie and the wider family in our prayers. Um, Alan remains in hospital because he doesn't quite feel ready to go home. So nothing's changed, but he's getting a bit more physiotherapy, but he didn't get home quite as quickly as we'd expected he would. The deadline for contributions to the April Key is the 19th of March. and Please send any contributions to Heather McLeod as, as soon as you, you have them. Our worship next week will be led by Katrina and we'll continue our current series in conversation with Jesus. Good morning. <laughs> um, it's now time for Nikan and Nikiar to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join the together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
So let's come to God in prayer. Let us pray together. God of all nations, all places and all peoples, it is our privilege and joy to join together to worship you. On this day, we are especially grateful to be safe and warm, sheltered from the extremes of weather and with the certainty of food to eat and tonight to bed to sleep in. We're aware just how easy it is for us to become disappointed or disgruntled when wintry weather interferes with our plans due to disruptions in transport or blocked roads. Yet at the same time, knowing that whilst we grumble, others risk life and limb, fleeing violence or oppression. Help us to be grateful for all that is good, counting our blessings. Help us to be humble, admitting our faults and failings. And help us to be lifelong learners, doing our best to follow in the steps of Jesus. Amen. We're invited to join together in the Lord's Prayer in our own preferred language and form, and pray in English. Our Father, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Yeah.
I'm going to start today by asking you a question, and I'm hoping one or two people might have some answers for me, otherwise it's going to be very quiet. I wonder if anybody has ever worshipped in an unusual place, somewhere that stands out. That was an unusual place in which I took part in an act of worship. So I'll start off just to give you a chance to get your brains going, because one's just come into my mind. And it was way back, I think, in 2005. And I, along with a lot of women clergy and a couple of women rabbis, stood at the bottom of Downing Street singing psalms and hymns because we were protesting with Dawn French to make poverty history. But it was an act of worship as we sang there and and tried to think what we all knew. It was really interesting when you've got... uh, these two are lovely rabbis and you've got charismatics and traditionalists and everything in between. What were the songs that we all knew? So we had an act of worship at the end of Downing Street. That was an unusual place that I've worshipped. What about the rest of you? I'm sure somebody can beat that one. It's not that exciting. Um, Mark, Heather. Heather, Heather, go for it, Heather. Sorry, now I'll take Margaret. Well, excuse me, boys. It was Cardiff Maximum Security Prison um, and with my church, we came back to church in Bast, we went and led a service there. So Lovely. that's what we both did Wow. Yep, I can't, definitely can't compete with that. So thank you. In a, in a maximum security prison. Brilliant. Margaret, you were going to say something. Yeah. And Emma, after that? I was away with a Baptist youth rally and we went to Switzerland and we celebrated communion in a very, very small church there. And that was very special. So Margaret went with the Baptist Union and Youth Fellowship to Switzerland and they shared in communion in a, in a small church. Emma? A swimming pool in Brazil. Oh, goodness me, a swimming pool in Brazil. Now, no one's going to top that one, are they? Yeah, brilliant. One more, if somebody else can think of one more. Uh, oh, Brian, thank you. Um, a bit like yours at Down Street, at the gates of Faz Lane. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then the second of which a lot, some people in this room today would have been at, was when um, Bruce Keeble, our, uh, one of our previous ministers, was demitting office. Um, we had a communion service beside a stream on a hill walk, and we hauled a big uh, boulder out the stream to be the communion table. Wow. So the gates of Faz Lane, and then on the hillside with Bruce Keeble, and they took a, a boulder out of the, of the stream. Um, Ian, are you waving at me to speak? Go for it. I uh, once had the great privilege of having communion in the Garden Tomb in Jerusalem. I, I spent a week there. There was a little cottage in the tomb, and my friend and I shared it. And um, we were able to have uh, communion in the actual, by the Garden Tomb, which was quite incredible. Wow. Thank you, Ian. So all sorts of different places, some in actual physical churches, in prisons, on hillsides, outside places of power, uh, outside Downing Street, outside Faz Lane, in places of religious significance. It's really interesting when we think about where we can and can't worship God. And for the, the grown-ups, this is part of the story that we're going to be looking at later on. There were the Samaritan people believed that you should worship God on Mount Gerizim. And the Jewish people believed that you should worship God in Jerusalem. 
And this was a big disagreement with, between two sets of people who basically believed the same thing. They were both Jewish in their faith, but they became two different nations. It's, language is a bit slippery around this. But this idea of where you should worship God is one that's worth pondering. Where should we worship God? How should we worship God? And actually, we've seen there are all kinds of places and all kinds of ways you can worship God. One of the great joys about being part of the world church and one of the great joys of being part of this congregation is the variety of languages and styles of music that we can use. We've already heard some Yoruba and some Kosa and some English. Now we're going to be really old, old fangled and sing some Latin. Who asked you for a drink? 
if you know you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. The woman said, Sir, where will you get, where, um, will you get the, uh, that living water? The well is very deep and you have nothing to get water with. Are you greater than uh, our uh, ancestor Jacob? He is the one who gave us this well. He, he drank from it himself and his sons and all his animals drank from it too. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But anyone who drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. The water I give people will be like a spring flowing inside them. It will bring them eternal life. The woman said to Jesus, Sir, give, give me this water, then I will never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to get more water. Jesus told her, go get your husband and uh, come back. The woman answered, but I have no husband. Jesus said, said to her, you are right. You, you, are, you are right to say you have no husband. There's because although you have had five husbands, the man you live with now is not your husband. That much was the truth. The woman said, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our father worshipped on the mountains. But you Jews are say that Jerusalem is the place where people must worship. Jesus said, Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will when you will not have to be in Jerusalem or this mountain to worship on the Father. Do Samaritans worship some, sometimes something you don't understand? We Jews understand that we, we worship since salvation comes from the Jews. But the time is coming when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. In fact, that time is now here. And these are the kind of people the Father wants to be his worshippers. God is a spirit. So the people who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. He is the one called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. The Jesus said, he is talking to you now. I am the Messiah. Just then Jesus' followers came back from town. They are surprised because they saw Jesus talking with a woman. But none of them asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left, left her water jar and went back to the town. She told the people there, a man told me everything I have ever done. Come see him. Maybe he is the Messiah. So the people left the town and went to see Jesus. While the woman was in the town, Jesus' followers were begging him, teacher, eat something. But Jesus answered, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So the followers asked themselves, did someone already bring him some food? Jesus said, my food is to do what the one who sent me want, wants me to do. My food is to finish the 
work that he gave me to do. When you plant, you always say four more months to wait before the before we gather the grain. But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the field. They are ready to to they are ready for harvesting now. Even now, if even now the people who harvest the crop are being paid. They are gathering crop for eternal life. So now the people who plant can be happy together with those who harvest. It is true when we say one person plant but another person harvest the crop. I sent you to harvest a crop that you did not work for. Other, others did, did the work and you get the profit from their work. Many of the Samaritan people in that town believe in Jesus. They believe because of what the woman had told them about him. She had told them, he told me everything I have ever done. The Samaritan went to Jesus. They begged him to stay with them. So he stayed there two days. Many more people became believers because of the things he said. The people said to the woman, first we believed in Jesus because of what you told us, but now we believe because we heard him ourselves. We know uh, now that he really is the one who will save the world. So we continue our journey through Lent, meeting Jesus in conversation with different people. Last week, we met Jesus in conversation with a man. This week, he's in conversation with a woman. Last week, he was in conversation with a Jewish official, with a religious leader, a Pharisee, even a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council. And this week, he is in conversation with an ordinary foreigner. Last week, we heard about somebody who came under cover of darkness to see Jesus. And today, it's an encounter in broad daylight. So in some ways, they're very different. But maybe also in other ways, they are quite similar. In the story we've heard, and according to some clever scholars I was listening to this week, throughout the encounters we have in John's Gospel, the conversations have three layers of understanding. 
There's a conversation between a man and a woman, an ordinary, everyday conversation, if you like. In this case, there is somebody who represents the Jews and somebody who represents the Samaritans. These are different nations, different nationalities, and they have very different views. So Jesus represents Judaism, the woman represents the Samaritans, the beginning of the Gentiles, if you like. And then there's a divine level, that there's the God level and the humanity, God and creation, God and earth. So you can read these and understand the things that John talks about in, in different ways. It all gets a bit much for my head, I have to confess. Last week we talked a little bit about riddles, and we carry on with riddles this week. Jesus is sitting by a well, and he asks the woman to give him a drink, and she says, but you haven't got a bucket. Now, if you've got a first edition Good News Bible, you'll know there's a mistake in the artwork in that Bible because there's a picture of a Jesus sitting by a well and there's a long string with a bucket. Apparently in the second edition, they corrected it. But there's somebody seeking, they're by a well, which is a place of still water. So he says, he asks the woman for a drink and she says, well, it's difficult. I can't get you this water because you've got no bucket. He said, I'm not talking about still water from the well. I'm talking about living water. And what she hears is running water, a stream, if you like. This is fresh water that's moving. I can give you running water. But actually, that's not what he means either, because he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking in riddles once again. So there is this whole thing about saying something and not understanding and it opens up a conversation between Jesus and the woman. In a similar way as last week, it was talking about birth with Jesus and Nicodemus and that had a similar unpacking of what that meant. In this story, we meet a Jesus who has special knowledge and we see that throughout the Gospel of John. He says, you've had five husbands and the person you are now living with is not your husband. Now, there have been centuries of really wrong-headed, I'll be generous, wrong-headed interpretation of this passage that suggests this woman was somehow sinful that she had to come out to the well in the middle of the day all on her own because she was shunned by everybody else because, you know, she'd, she'd had all these husbands. It doesn't say any of that in the scripture. It doesn't say she was sinful. It doesn't say she'd ever been divorced. It said, you've had five husbands and the person you are living with now is not your husband. Now, as a Samaritan or as a Jew there would have been this concept of leveret marriage, that if you're married to a brother and he dies, you have to marry the next brother because your job as a woman is to produce an heir for the man you first married. So this poor woman could literally have been passed down five brothers who for some reason have all died. Also under their law, you could be divorced for the most ridiculous of reasons. 
You could be re- divorced because you burnt the tea. You could be divorced because he saw a better model down the road. So this poor woman, again, even if she was divorced, wasn't because she was unfaithful, but maybe she wasn't as pretty as somebody else, or as fertile as somebody else, or couldn't cook as well as somebody else. And the fact that she's not married to the man she is now with may be simply that she's not free. He may own her. She may be a servant. She may be a slave. She may be in some kind of abusive relationship that she can't run away from. We don't know. We don't know any of that. We know nothing about this woman. And I think there is something important for us to reflect on here have how easy it is to approach the scriptures and think we know what they mean by projecting onto them ideas that have more to do with our culture and our upbringing than what they actually say. Jesus just says this as a statement of fact. But this statement of fact draws her curiosity. How can you know this then? And so they start to have what is actually an incredibly profound theological conversation. I don't know about any of you, but uh, you know, when I was standing at the end of Downing Street or when Brian was standing outside Faz Lane, I don't imagine that you were discussing things about where you should worship or what was the right way to worship or who could be saved or whatever it was like that. You'd be chatting about what you were doing. But Jesus and this woman have this conversation about, well, where should we worship? The Samaritans, who had a very particular set of beliefs, thought that Mount Gerizim was the place, and they could trace that back through history. The Samaritans were quite a (laughs) strict form of Jewish believers, so they believed the Torah, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books attributed to Moses, They weren't interested in the rest. That was all added on. So they believed that Mount Gerizim was the place that God had called them to worship and that was where they were going to worship and they were waiting for their understanding of the Messiah. But just to Jesus, but but you Jews, you don't think that, do you? You think that you have to worship in Jerusalem in that fancy temple place that was rebuilt And it's ornate and it's there and that's where you should go. And then Jesus says something really surprising. He says, actually, it's not Gerizim, it's not Jerusalem. That's not what worship is about. It's not about places. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in a high security prison, whether you're in a swimming pool, whether you're in a chapel in in Switzerland or a hillside by a river. What matters is what's going on inside. That's what worship is. It's what comes out of you, not where you physically gather. It's not about the rituals either. It's not about whether you sing five hymns, listen to a 20-minute sermon. It's about whether your life expresses what you understand of God and God's love 
for all creation. And for us as Christians, of course, what we understand about Jesus. So this conversation that they have goes on quite a long journey. It's quite a long reading. I'm really grateful to Nasi for hanging on in there and getting right through to the end. But we see an evolving understanding. At the start, we're told it's a man and a woman. And then there's a conversation about Jews and Samaritans. And the woman thinks, well, actually, this man's probably a prophet. What he's saying sounds like he's a prophet. So she names him as such. And then comes the question, are you the Messiah? And he says he is. And she goes back to her family and her friends or her neighbours or the people who maybe don't like her very much. We really don't know her personal situation. And she says, could this be? Could this possibly be the Messiah? Come and see. Come and see, she says. And they, and they go back with her. Meanwhile, back at the well, Jesus is sitting there and his, his friends have come back and they've spotted this woman and they're like, oh, yeah, he's talking to a woman, you're not supposed to talk to women, not supposed to marry to women, you're definitely not supposed to. And they have this really weird conversation. He starts in more riddles here. We're back onto fields and grain and bread and all sorts of stuff. And they, they, just, they just can't quite grasp at these disciples, bless them. But then I guess we don't always quite grasp it, do we, either? We kind of think we've got it, and then it slips away again. But the woman comes back with the people that she's shared with. They've come with her, and they persuade Jesus to stay with them for a couple of days. They have their chance to ask their questions, to have their conversations with Jesus, which aren't recorded. But this appears to be the first community of believers in Jesus. And they're not Jews, they're Samaritans. And they're not all in nice, tidy lives, because we know at least one of them has had a very complicated and difficult life. But in Jesus, they recognise something special, that he is the anointed one of God. He's the one that they want to follow. So I wonder if there is something in all of that for us to think about a little bit. To think about the conversations we have with Jesus, or at least the conversations we have with each other about the things of Jesus. I wonder what new insights and understandings we might find if we're willing to really, really engage with those familiar stories and allow people to ask the questions. And I wonder if in that woman, that five times married foreign woman who came to Jesus and had this weird conversation with him and then says to other people, why don't you come with me and see? I wonder if there's something in that for us to say, come and see, come and have your own conversations with Jesus about Jesus. Be free to ask your questions and then be free to make your own decisions. I think it's fair to say that this woman is one of the strangest of saints. And we're going to sing a song of that title now. Now, it is actually 
nearly a decade since we sang it. So on the beginning of the recording, the sound quality is a bit wobbly. It's one we've only sang twice in all the time I've been here, so you might not know it very well. I'm going to suggest we stay sat down. I'm not selling this brilliantly, but go with the words. Go with the, if nothing else, go with the words, because it's actually a, an amazing song about those who come to discover who Jesus is, the strangest of saints.
come now with our prayers for others and for each other. Let's pray together. Loving and merciful God, as we continue on our journey through Lent, we remembered how you reached out through the ministry of Jesus, welcoming those whom society rejected, accepting those whom the world considered unacceptable. You have time for us, just as we are. We remember how you called Matthew the text tax collector, how you dined with Zacchaeus, how you touched the lepers and spent time in the noontide heat with the woman at the well, time and again breaking the mould, offering us through his faithfulness, forgiveness and new life. We remember that you forgave rather than condemned, built up rather than pulled down, encouraged rather than criticised, drew near rather than kept your distance. We rejoice that you value us despite our many weaknesses and our repeated faults, your nature always to have mercy, your grace inexhaustible. We pray for all who are victims of discrimination and prejudice for whatever reason, the automatic attaching of labels, the taunting and hurtful remarks, the denial of opportunities, the unconscious negative attitudes. We pray for all who are forgotten or cast off, that we might value each human life as a priceless gift from you. We pray for all those working for change, campaigning for equality of opportunity, striving to break down preconceptions, building bridges across communities. Encourage them in their efforts and grant that prejudices may be overcome. In our church prayer diary this week, we remember the finance group, thanking you for all they do on our behalf. We think of Joyce and Morag, Jen, Andrew, Carl and Aidan, Elaine, Graham, Freya and Sarah, John E, Jeff and Carl, Caris, Fiona and Donny, Betty, Graham, Ali and family, Ken and Barbara. May each one know your loving presence and your guiding hand. In our fellowship with other Baptist churches in Scotland, we pray for Castle Hill Baptist Church in Bearsden, Castle Milk Community Church, Cathcart Baptist Church. In Glasgow, we pray that they may be salt and light as they serve in busy areas of the city. BMS World Mission draws our attention to the many who make up the BMS community, supporting through voluntary work as speakers, 
fundraisers, prayer partners and church representatives. May they be blessed as they give of their time and gifts to serve BMS so faithfully. Loving and living God, we rejoice that you are involved in our world and involved in our lives, not distant or remote, but seeking the good of everything you have made. Gratefully, we put our trust in you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. us, Lord. Send us into the ordinary every day, assured that you walk with us. Lead us, Lord. Lead us in the ways of justice and peace, loving our neighbour as we are loved by you. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit of truth, grace and healing, that we may speak and be good news this week and every week. Amen.